0: today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If I'm a Christian,
1: then I'm also a citizen of heaven. And if I'm a citizen of heaven, it will be evidenced here on earth. It's interesting, in the original language, it has the idea of being the language, the word that Paul uses for citizenship. Because you can know where somebody's from Where somebody is a citizen of by the way they talk, the language they speak, even the dialect in which they speak it.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Does your life reflect what you believe? Are you living with eternity in mind or are you living for the things of this world? In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches from the book of Philippians about being heavenly-minded. After all, you've only been placed on this earth for a limited amount of time in comparison to eternity. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: I want to begin at the end of verse 19 in chapter 3, and I think you'll see why as we get into this. Paul writes and says, their mind is set on earthly things, but, verse 20 our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body cannot wait. (laughs) Oh, right on. (laughs) You feel my pain and I yours. (laughs) I mean, this body's got a lot of miles on it, and I'm reminded of it every day when I look at myself in the mirror and say, Oh Lord, come quickly. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) Verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul goes on to say, Therefore my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So I have to confess that this is another one of those places in God's Word that I've been really looking forward to. I I know I probably say that about every passage in God's Word that we're in, but this one in particular I've been personally looking forward to because it has to do with being heavenly minded and specifically as it relates to being heavenly minded having an impact on our lives as Christians which even more specifically is that of doing earthly good, proportionate to being heavenly minded. This is what I want to talk about today, and this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in our text today. It's also one of those places in God's Word that I think requires a better understanding of the cultural context. And the reason being is that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is, I don't know if you noticed this or not as we were reading the passage, but he words what he says in a very almost peculiar way, in such a a way that the Christians of that day would have been able to make the connection and understand. So I think it's going to be germane to our understanding to just take a little bit of time and look at some of the cultural context in what Paul writes. First, notice Paul's reference in verse 20. He says that in contrast to verse 19 that there are those who are setting their minds on earthly things, he says, not us we are citizens of heaven. That's an interesting contrast to me. It's significant because the Philippians were considered to be citizens of Rome, which at that time in that day was greatly valued. It was something that was coveted and prized to be a citizen of Rome. The city of Philippi, though, was far from Rome. They were a colony of Rome, and the Philippian Christians would consider themselves to be citizens of Rome as a result. There's another interesting detail, and it's Paul's wording in verse 20. Notice he says, and and the emphasis to me is interesting, because he says, we eagerly await a Savior from there. Why would he say it like that? Why would he say, why wouldn't he say, rather, we eagerly await our Savior, Jesus Christ? Why is he saying it this way that we eagerly await a Savior from there, speaking of heaven, because we're citizens of heaven, not of earth, our minds not set on earthly things. We are different, peculiar in the sense that we're really citizens of heaven and we're waiting eagerly. I love that word eagerly we are eagerly awaiting a Savior. Why doesn't he say the Savior? Interesting. A Savior from there, from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? Because the Philippians, as Roman citizens, would eagerly await a visit from the emperor of Rome, And the reason being is that Julius Caesar was given the title of the universal savior of mankind. Did you know that? That's why Paul says it that way. Because again there's this contrast (laughs) to the earthly citizens whose minds are set on earthly things as opposed to the heavenly citizens whose mind is heavenly. So they're waiting for their Savior, Julius Caesar. We're not waiting for that Savior. We're waiting for the Savior from heaven as a citizen of heaven. By the way, this is why many Christians were martyred in the early church. They refused to call Caesar Lord as the citizens of Rome did. And they went to their death for that reason as martyrs of the early church. Here's a third important detail. It's in verse 1 of chapter 4. This to me is striking because Paul says that he loves them and longs for them. It reminds me of when he writes to the Thessalonians, and I mean, it's, you know, we think of the Apostle Paul as being this strong, hard driven you know, intimidating. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul, after all. But I believe that as we're getting to know him through the epistles here in the New Testament, that this was a man who loved deeply, passionately. He was a very emotional man. He cried a lot. Never think that a man who cries is a man who is weak. A man who cries is not a man who is weak. A man who cries is a man who is meek. And being meek and being weak are not synonymous in terms. But he says to the Thessalonians, of the Thessalonians, that he labored for them and loved them as a mother who would labor in birth, giving birth to their child. I mean, as a pastor, I, that searches me. <laughs> that convicts me. Because the question I have to ask myself is, do I love that much? Do I not? Now, I love you. I think you know that I love you, and I love you because I love Jesus. And Jesus, as he said to Peter, said, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. Proportionate to the love that a pastor has for the Lord, he will feed the flock of God, the Word of God. That's how much I love you. I love you so much, but I don't know if I love you that much. I hope you don't see me differently. I'm just being honest with you. Well, wait a minute. Let's flip it around. Do you love me that much? No, I know you love me, but do you love me that much? Hmm. Well, Paul loved them that much. Paul loved them so much. He longed for them and he loved them because he saw them as his joy, his crown, his reward, his trophy, if you will. His prize, if you prefer. And then he exhorts them to stand firm in the Lord in that way. What is he saying here? He's saying that they are his reward. They are his crown. They are his gold medal to use the Olympic metaphor, which was known to them in that day. They didn't know them at the time as the Olympic Games, but they had these games at that time that Paul would reference often. And he would liken it to a runner in that game, in that race, who at the end would then be judged by the panel of judges and they would receive this crown, which was, you've seen pictures I'm sure, it would be this wreath, this laurel that was placed on their head as a crown. And we know it today as a gold medal when the winner, gold medal or silver or bronze, which they didn't have at that time. Listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 9 verse 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What is that crown going to be? Or maybe better asked, what will that crown that awaits us be predicated upon, I think Paul answers that question for us, that crown will be based on the people that we impacted for Jesus Christ. It's been said that soon one life will be passed, but only that which was done for Christ will last. Those laurels, those wreaths, those crowns, those rewards that the world has to offer, they don't last. Only that crown that awaits us will last. I hope that this provides us some context culturally, because we need to now make the application practically and specifically by connecting the dots of what I'll call our heavenly anticipation with our earthly occupation. And let me explain. I would submit that our present occupation on earth is directly proportionate to our anticipation of heaven. In other words, what I do here on earth as I occupy until He comes will determine what awaits me in heaven when He comes. It's directly related, directly proportionate to being heavenly minded. Now doubtless you've heard that famous quote. Christians are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. Do you believe that? I don't. I believe nothing could be further from the truth. I would argue that it's the opposite that's true. The more heavenly minded we are as Christians, the more earthly good we will be and do as Christians. It's proportionate to being heavenly minded. C.S. Lewis, in mere Christianity, said it best this way. Listen to this. A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next, the apostles themselves, who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. That explains a lot doesn't it and then he says this aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in aim at earth and you will get neither Vance Habner said it this way if you are a Christian you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven You are a citizen of heaven making your way through this world. Lord help me too. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this one principle. When I say that this explains a lot of the ineffectiveness in the church today, It is my belief that it is due in large measure to the fact, sadly, the sad fact, that Christians are too earthly minded and not heavenly minded. They don't have their eyes on the prize. They don't see themselves as citizens of heaven. if I'm a Christian, then I'm also a citizen of heaven. And if I'm a citizen of heaven, it will be evidenced here on earth. It's interesting in the original language it has the idea of being the language, the word that Paul uses for citizenship. Because you can know where somebody's from Where somebody is a citizen of by the way they talk, the language they speak, even the dialect in which they speak it. It's not just being a citizen of heaven, it's knowing the language of heaven, having the culture of heaven. Oh, you must, you must be from there. I think of Peter when he denied the Lord. You know what gave him away was his Galilean dialect. And that third time when this young girl says to him, No, you, I saw you with, and you speak like Him. Oh, would to God that it would be said of us. You were with the Lord. You speak like Him. You act like Him. You are like Him. If I'm a citizen of heaven and I know it, then my life on earth will show it. You'll forgive me for borrowing that Sunday school song. I think we need to be careful when we sing songs and worship the Lord to really search our hearts and make sure that there's no duplicity or hypocrisy. I think of that one song, I will give you all my worship is that true (laughs) do I give the Lord all my worship or is it half-hearted I think that's the problem the problem is we want our heaven on earth which is why we live for the things of earth And to me, this explains why it is that Christians who don't live their lives in light of heaven don't long for heaven. If I'm living in light of eternity, then I'm going to long for eternity. And conversely, if I'm living my life for this world, and the things of this world heaven is in distant view if at all simply put our mind and our heart can be fixed on earth because earth is where our treasure is in Matthew's gospel chapter 6 Jesus in that famous sermon on the mount said in verse 19 do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal Here's why, and I want you to listen very carefully to verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
0: There's a lot to learn from this joyful New Testament book, Philippians. We're so glad you've joined us to walk through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Philippians isn't just about the Apostle Paul's rejoicing, though. There are many references to this emotion. This book is also honest about the difficulties that followers of Christ will face. People will oppose the truth of the gospel, and you may face persecution from non-believers. But you can rest assured that Jesus knows, and he sees, and he can change lives anyway. You can be glad and rejoice in the Lord just as Paul did. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings on this book, you'll find them on our website. Simply visit inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. You can access these updates through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today and join us next time right here on In Spirit and Truth.